Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Okay, so my name is Ryan Persh. I'm the student pastor here at Cross Lane. If we don't know each other, um, that, uh, that's who I am. And if you were expecting Brett, which you probably were this morning, if you didn't know he's on vacation, you're maybe disappointed and like, okay, I'm gone. I don't know who this guy is. Well, don't do that. Don't leave just yet. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Um, we're going to talk about the digital dilemma what that is and what, what, uh, what, what can we do about it. And before we get into that, I just, uh, I, I forgot to do this in first service, but it, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, how many people don't care about football at all? Amen, amen. All right, well, but student pastor, so we, we have an annual flag football game each year, which the Arctic tundra that exists today, pray for me in that because um, the ground is hard and we didn't get enough snow to cushion the blow even though it's flag football you know the old guy's gonna fall down and get hurt probably so um, but it, that's a lot of fun and then we we always have a, a, a Super Bowl party for middle school and high school students so if that's the first time you're hearing about it and you have a middle school or high school student three o'clock flag football five o'clock party uh, all they got to do is show up we feed them good and and we'll watch the game and and have a lot of fun together so um, since the Colts aren't in it and us Colts fans really want Tom Brady to break a leg. I assume all of you are rooting for the Chiefs. Any Bucks fans out there? Anybody want to claim? Okay, we got got at least one. So uh, got, you you got to be impressed. Uh, he's def. I mean, okay, enough of that. Um, so let me give you. We'll start with two verses of scripture this morning. Proverbs chapter twenty-two, verse six says this: Start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Paul just really kind of echoes this. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so parents, if you're a parent in the room, you, when you made a baby, you took on the responsibility to be your child's primary teacher of all things. You, you as parent, are primary teacher. Now, school teachers in the room, student pastors, our children's pastor, like we take a secondary role in that. So the things that you're going to teach your kid, you're going to teach your kid about life, morals, uh, matters of spiritual, spirituality, spiritual importance, right? You, as parents, are the primary teacher of those things and then I as a secondary role are, are going to echo and repeat and reinforce a lot of the same things that you would be teaching your child at home right it takes a it takes a village and as part of that village I, I as a student pastor want to help you parents and grandparents model a better way forward for our kids when it comes to technology and our kids and, and how we live biblically minded in, a, in an ever-changing super fast-paced changing world Right, So this morning we're going to talk about technology and social media and peer pressure and addiction and some other dangers and parenting and what in the world does God say uh, about all of that. And if you're here today and even if you don't have children or you are children, um, you're, 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 you know, you're older and don't have any kids or you're, you're, uh, you, you've had kids and you've raised them up and they're gone and out of the house, I'm, just, I'm still glad you're here. I still think that some of what we're going to talk about today applies to you. Um, and how can I make that statement? Well, do you have a cell phone? Do you have a computer? Are you, are you um, 
plugged into the World Wide Web? Do you know people that have computers? Do you work with people that use computers and technology, right? So, uh, or maybe is using social media. Like, we all know someone that we love that's connected to the world, to the World Wide Web. So we're going to talk about this morning just how is it affecting us. It's going to be a little bit different maybe than what you're used to. We've got some videos that, that are going to accompany the teaching this morning. But I, I think there's something in, in this for all of us. So this is, uh, uh, you get to respond. It's okay to raise your hand in church. I want you to, um, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. So if, how many of you guys that are here today uh, think that cell phones and or social media is addicting? Anybody think? Okay, majority of the people in the room. Um, how, how many people, now adults, this is to adults, how many people that are adults here today think that your child or grandchild is addicted to cell phone and or social media? Okay, lots of hands going up for that one too. Okay, for you kids in the room, this one's for you. How many kids in the room think your parents are addicted to cell phone or social media? Okay, we got some hands going up. I mean, now the parents are mad at me, but that's okay because we're, you know, we all have the capacity to be addicted to something and technology's got its claws in us. In a lot of us. So, um, one of the videos we're going to watch this morning is about uh, how addicting that technology is. So, check this video out. Addicted to technology? Yeah. yeah. I could stop if I wanted to, but I don't want to. As I use my phone, Four hours a day, and Hulu and Instagram are my top used apps, and my mother is gonna kill me. This week was five hours. I use my phone for six hours a day. On average per day on like a weekend, I spend two hours on my iPad and three hours on VR. I play video games, I watch YouTube. Weekly total is 45 hours and 26 minutes. 44 hours and three minutes. 52 hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> and my most used apps are TikTok and YouTube. How long on TikTok? <laughs> 16 <laughs> hours and 20 minutes. And on YouTube, six <laughs> hours and three. It's, <laughs> it's so okay. addictive. I would say I'm very addicted to VR. I mean, it's a very addictive thing. I talk about it like 24 seven. I'm just like, I need my phone. I need it, I need it, I need it. So I, I constructed myself this. It's my fake phone. It only has one app, and the app is Grey's Anatomy. So I've just been watching a bunch of Grey's Anatomy on my phone. I need my phone to make me feel better just for a minute. I go down the YouTube rabbit hole a lot, where you just like video and video and video. I don't stay away from it, I embrace it. I'll just like find myself spending more and more time on TikTok, usually at like 2 a.m. There's no other way to like entertain myself. Like if yeah. I'm bored, then it's just like, oh, well, YouTube. my phone's there, so. Yeah. able to talk.
talk to anyone if I didn't have Snapchat. I'd feel completely isolated. What people put on their Instagrams isn't like their everyday life. It's like the highlights of their lives. It's the sort of best parts. And when we try to make their highlights our whole lives, it gets kind of like obsessive. I feel like the amount of likes you get kind of ends up validating whether or not it's a good photo or it looked pretty in the photo. Other people liking it is like, okay, they like me. I'm okay, I'm good. I value likes in the same way I like getting compliments. Nobody doesn't want a compliment. I use my phone a lot as a stress relief because there are a lot of things I have going on in my life. I don't have to worry about if my friends like or do not like the posts and the social stress that I get. What's addictive about Instagram is, you know, just it's an endless bowl of soup. You just keep, you keep going, you keep scrolling. I feel like I wouldn't have any friends if I didn't have my phone. If nobody else had a phone either, I don't think it would be much of an issue for me. But it's the idea of like me being the only one without social media or me being the only one without a phone and feeling like I'm the weird one. I'd say that the only real problem is Netflix. But you know, after a week, I've gotten used to not being able to watch it. But you know, I am exercising my restraint and I guess that's good for me. And also, put a cap on my social media. I thought would be fun, shake things up, so I could only be on Instagram for one hour a day. Do this to myself. Yeah, having social media definitely made me feel bad. I feel like living in a non-digital world is like a lot better than like scouting like your life for like pictures. Yeah, so more than 50% of you raised your hands about our, our kids being addicted to, to technology. So um, if this is happening to you, adults, like we adults can fall into this too, and more importantly, to, to our kids. And so all of the social media companies, have, the big ones at least, have hired psychologists and marketing firms paying millions of dollars to figure out how to tap into the addictive natures of humans and exploit it. How, how many of you guys have seen uh, the documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma? Anybody seen this? Man, if you've not seen it, go watch it. The Social Dilemma. It's, it's a documentary that uh, they, they, they got um, executives from a lot of the, the bigger, more well-known um, social media companies and, and interviewed them. They're part of the documentary. They're talking about, you know, how, how, where did this technology come? Like, why did it, you know, spring up? What's it for? How, to, how they monetized it, how they figured out how these companies are going to make money, and they're all making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of us, right? And, um, and what are the dangers of it? So you've got executives in the industry talking about, how, like, really how dangerous it is. And um, just... Spend, spend an hour and go watch. It's called The Social Dilemma. So, we, we, you know, we're, we're being exploited, you and I, and our kids, and taken advantage of. And um, it, when you watch that, it might scare you enough that you want to delete all, all of your stuff and, and um, just, just watch it. Um, so what social media are you using? Shout, shout some out to me. Insta? Instagram's the only one? Anybody using Facebook? 
all the old people in the room. Any old people in the room using TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram? What is it? Marco Polo? Right, so um, I would say Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, his social media. I would even throw Netflix in there. Um, Adults, you know, kids don't use Facebook. If they do, it's just to appease you. Kids are using uh, Snapchat, TikTok, um, maybe WhatsApp, Telegram, and there's new ones being invented all the time. Like the, the culture is, it just, it's, it's happening very, very quickly, and there's a new one invented, it seems like almost daily, and kids latch onto it, and it blows up and becomes this big thing. Parents, you should know what social media your kids are using because it, it's crazy, this next video, five crazy ways how that technology is changing our brains. With social media sites being used by one-third of the entire world, they've clearly had a major influence on society. But what about our bodies? Here are five crazy ways that social media and the internet are affecting your brain right now. Can't log off? Surprisingly, 5-10% to of internet users are actually unable to control how much time they spend online. Though it's a psychological addiction as opposed to a substance addiction, brain scans of these people actually show a similar impairment of regions that those with drug dependence have. Specifically, there's a clear degradation of white matter in the regions that control emotional processing, attention, and decision making. Because social media provides immediate rewards with very little effort required, your brain begins to rewire itself, making you desire these stimulations, and you begin to crave more of this neurological excitement after each interaction. Sounds a little like a drug, right? We also see a shift when looking at multitasking. You might think that those who use social media or constantly switch between work and websites are better at multitasking, but studies have found that when comparing heavy media users to others, they perform much worse during task switching tests. Increased multitasking online reduces your brain's ability to filter out interferences and can even make it harder for your brain to commit information to memory. Like when your phone buzzes in the middle of productive work. Or wait, did it even buzz? Phantom vibration syndrome is a relatively new psychological phenomenon where you think you felt your phone go off, but it didn't. In one study, 89% of test subjects said they experienced this at least once every two weeks. It would seem that our brains now perceive an itch as an actual vibration from our phone. As crazy as it seems, technology has begun to rewire our nervous system, and our brains are being triggered in a way they never have before in history. Social media also triggers a release of dopamine, the feel-good chemical. Using MRI scans, scientists found that the reward centers in people's brains are much more active when they're talking about their own views as opposed to listening to others. Not so surprising, we all love talking about ourselves, right? But it turns out that while 30 to 40% of face-to-face conversations involve communicating our own experiences, around 80% of social media communication is self-involved. The same part of your brain related to orgasms, motivation, and love are stimulated by your social media use, and even more so when you know you have an audience. Our body is physiologically rewarding us for talking about ourselves online. But it's not all so self-involved. In fact, studies on relationships have found that partners tend to like each other more if they meet for the first time online rather than with a face-to-face interaction. Whether it's because people are more anonymous or perhaps more clear about their future goals, there's a statistical increase in successful partnerships that started online. So while the internet has changed our verbal communication with increased physical separation, perhaps the ones that matter the most end up even closer. Speaking of social media, we had... Sorry about that. You didn't miss anything. I promise. Uh, That was my fault that cut the very end of that video off. So let's talk about dopamine for just a second. If you've got little kids in the room, plug their ears because it's about to get adult rated here. So dopamine is like when you have an orgasm, uh, dopamine is released from your brain into your body. It's located in the pleasure centers of your brain. 
and it, it, it's, you know, it's why it feels so good, right? So um, the same thing happens when you post a picture onto your social media, come back an hour later, and you're looking to see who liked it, who's commented on it. When you get those responses from your, your friend group on, on the social media, which, whichever one you're using, dopamine's released into your body, and, and it's a chemical release, you're, and your body begins to crave this, this chemical. It, it's, it's crazy how our bodies can be rewired, and how we're, you know, that's part of the reason why it's so easy to become addicted. Um, and the kids in the video before can spend 50 plus hours a week on their social media. And they're, that, that is happening in overdrive in, in, their, in their brains and their bodies. And it, this happens to adults too. It's not just a kid thing. But so dopamine. Um, do you know what your kids are doing on social media? If you have teens... Um, or younger and you, you've given them a phone, do you know what they're doing on their phones? Parents, again, primary teacher, check on your kids. If you're going to give them a phone, man, the Internet's a dangerous place, especially for young people. Do you know what they're, what they're doing? Um, how many ad- adults know what a Finsta is? Anybody? I'm seeing a couple heads nod. Finsta is a fake Instagram account. Lots of kids have it, but why? You can have an Instagram account. Well, because mom and dad are going to see this one. And so we'll be good on this one, and then maybe a fence to over here is one that mom and dad don't know about, and then we can do whatever we want to do on that one, because we know mom and dad aren't going to see it. And, and some kids have a fence to, and they're not doing anything bad on it, but then why have two? It just it raises a question. So do you know that your kids are on Instagram, and if you do, do they have a fence to? You might want to ask them. If they're going to be on social media, parents, you should be on their social media, and they're not going to want you to be on there. But they don't get that option. You're the parent, right? So um, five crazy ways uh, it's changing us. Now, this next video, some teens are going to explain how they use social media or maybe some rules that govern how they use social media. So check this one out. On Instagram, don't put post photos of food. That is something that you can put on your Snapchat stories, but if it's something that no one really cares about, don't put it on your Instagram because people are just going to get annoyed with your account. On social, I never post uh, like millions of selfies in one day because I know that bothers people. Even on Snapchat, if you post many times a day, it's kind of annoying. Once a week, maybe. No, uh, once a day, just not like 10 times a day. It's the thing I'd never post on social media is like, Make a photo of myself. One thing I would never do on social media is post a new, whether it be my own or somebody else's. I think that's private. Deleting comments is bad because they know that they didn't want that there. I've deleted comments. Yeah. <laughs> I've deleted her comments. <laughs> I've had friends that would text me later, text, which is formal, of like, why did you delete my comment? And you kind of uncomfortable situation. I got my dad on Snapchat, but I never contact him. I had posted something on my story, and he saw it, and then he commented on it, and like he sent me a direct message, and I just like blocked him after that. My parents don't follow me, but I follow my parents. Same. My family members don't need to see what I be doing. They don't. He looked really nervous making that comment. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's some patterns that happen in the world all around us in all different kinds of ways. But one of the patterns, I think, a couple teens in that video mentioned posting nudes. 
posting nudes on their social media. I would never do that. Well, because hundreds of people or however many friends they have, it goes out to a whole group of people, right? But I'm here to tell you, and maybe this is a surprise to you, it, I think this is an, sexting is an epidemic among teens right now. And this is not, this is not happening in bigger cities away from, from Terre Haute, Indiana. This is happening right here at home. Um, so if you don't know what sexting is, it's the, taking two words, sex and texting, and combine them. And it's just what it sounds like. It's taking a nude picture of yourself and sending it to someone or, or receiving it from someone. Um, I, I really think this is an epidemic, and I did a scientific study, really very unscientific. But um, uh, three or four years ago, uh, I, every year I do a, d- a dating series for the teens in youth group. And we'll talk about dating relationships, healthy boundaries. We'll talk about sex from a biblical perspective and all that stuff. The whole world's talking about it, so the, you know the church should be allowed to talk about it too, right? So um, we, we, we do this every year, and uh, three or four years ago, I was getting ready to launch into this series, and my son had his girlfriend at the time over to the house, and I did my very scientific study and asked them, like, hey, you guys, they both were at Terre Haute North. I said, hey, how many of your friends do you think, or, or your peers at school, are sexting? And Noah was like, uh, 80%, Dad. So high, right? It's a high percentage. And his girlfriend was like, oh, no, it's higher than that. Uh, most everybody's doing it. And uh, I was in the fifth grade, had my first boyfriend in the fifth grade, and he sent me a nude pic in the fifth grade. Now, that may be an outlier, although I don't think so. It's happening. It's happening younger and younger and younger. Um, so just a week ago, we're in the middle of our dating series over in the youth group and asked the kids the same thing. And there's 20 kids in the room. And how many of you guys are seeing your peers uh, mess around with sexting? Most of the hands go up. And this particular evening, I had my small group uh, for the evening was a group of four middle school boys. And I asked them, like, are, are you, because I know it's happening in high school, but like middle school, you know, I'm not, I'm not as sure about how prevalent it is and they're like oh yeah Ryan everybody's doing it matter of fact at school last week I was in a hallway and a guy had his phone out opened up a picture that a girl had just sent him and you know he opened it up in school so it's happening you need to know about it if you're going to give your kids a phone with a camera and connection to the internet or the ability to text it's becoming normal I would say high percentage of teens are doing this and they don't see an issue with it, right? So you, you need to know that. I think sexting is an epidemic among teens right now. Pornography, 50% of 11-year-olds report having viewed uh, porn. Half of all 11-year-olds, think about that. And, and the, or the age in which teens are, are seeing porn for the very first time is 11 years old, but I think that's becoming younger and younger and younger. I, I've got, I drive a school bus for Vigo County, and I've got kindergartners that will get on my bus with a cell phone, a smartphone. Can I just tell you, unashamedly, I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. What are you doing giving a kindergartner uh, a cell phone? And it happens a lot. It's not an anomaly. They don't all have them, but more than should have them, have them. And I just think that's the craziest thing in the world. There's a lot of dangerous stuff um, that can happen on the Internet. And, and oh, by the way, if you, so if you're 17 years or younger, maybe you don't know this, adults in the room and teens, if you're listening, 17 years and younger, 
If you take a picture of your naked body, you just made child pornography. That's illegal. You can be arrested for that. And there are teens in our country that have been arrested for that, sent to jail for that. If you send that picture, you just distributed child pornography. That's illegal. Now, my kids are grown, and most of them are out of the house. One of them's out of the house. I'm just saying, if my kids were young and, and my daughter gets a nude picture from some boy, I don't know that my first reaction is to call the police, but we're going to have some conversations with that kid and his parents for sure. And if the situation is right, I'll call the police on you, right? I'm, I'm that kind of dad. So just, you know, it's happening. Do you know, if your kids have phones, do you know what they're doing on it? It's dangerous, dangerous. My, my prayer for our kids when they were little was, God, just please keep them from making that one stupid decision that'll totally change the trajectory of their life and that's one that'll do it kids are doing it it's out of control check on your kids um what about peer pressure peer pressure is huge keeping up with the joneses is an adult way to say hey adults have peer pressure so kids this is not just a teenage thing adults can struggle with it too but teenage this is another pattern of this world that we need to talk about. Um, here's a video of some teen girls that talk. Uh, are going to open up about peer pressure. They have to be better than the other girl. There's just a constant pressure, I guess, with everybody. Sometimes they'll say, like, you know, your stomach area is fat. And I'm like, wait, is it? Teen girls offering surprising details about their struggles. I see a lot of criticism towards me on social media. Many adolescents having to confront the daily realities of new age pressures, from cyberbullying to modern dating. In some cases, parents left in the dark. So we brought a group of high schoolers together for an honest conversation about what it's like to be a teen girl today. But unbeknownst to them, on the other side of this glass will sit their moms right here, listening and learning about their daughters. Nearly 30% of teen girls suffer from anxiety, and with easy access to technology can come cyberbullying. Nearly half of American teens say they themselves have been victims. Why didn't you say this to me when I was alive? Teen pressure is a topic on display earlier this year with the controversial Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. All of this cyberbullying creates an environment where our kids need to develop resilience and develop it early. And the truth is, that is not the default setting for young people. As the girls wait, so we're gonna get you guys seated. Their moms anxious to know what their daughters will reveal when they're not in the room. She's gonna be so mad to know that I'm still here. She's gonna be in shock. How many of you would say stress is a big problem in your lives? What about social media? How big of a part of your lives is social media? I love Very social big. media. Do you, any of you ever question your body because of what you see on social media? Yeah, yeah. I've been so focused on just like not eating past seven and drinking water. Like on Instagram, like I follow people like Kendall Jenner and Kylie Jenner, and they all have this like time measure, like body image that everyone is expecting from this generation. So like I have a lot of self-confidence, like I don't hate my body, but I always feel that there's room for improvement all the time. There's no question that social media has a lot of positives, but the problem is we're measuring our self-worth by how many people like what we're posting. There was a time where if someone insulted us growing up, it was to our face. Now, those hurtful commentary lives online. Do any of you ever feel criticized and, and hurt by things that are said on social media? Yes. 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 What kinds of things might somebody say that's mean? They could talk about things that you post, things that you wear. 
things that you say. I've seen a lot of bullying happen on Snapchat, to be exact, with some of my friends, some people calling them fat, even me, talking about body image. The honesty about their insecurities tough for Kayla's mom, who's about to share her experience with the group. A lot of my friends think that I'm anorexic because I'm really skinny for my age. And sometimes it can hurt, but gotta go tough skin. I used to get bullied in middle school and elementary school because I had a unibrow, I wasn't the skinniest girl. What about relationships, dating and guys? <laughs> I'm an avid 80s movie fan, and I wish that things could be the way that they were in the 80s movies. All my Gone are the days of John Cusack outside your window in Say Anything, replaced by texting and Snapchat, emojis in place of emotion. What is it that they had in the 80s that you don't see so much now? Having to actually make effort, yeah. and now I think that with things like sending a message, people yeah. say things that they don't mean, things get lost in translation. So you want people to talk more? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually people just want to like FaceTime and text, you don't know what someone fully says, or means. Our young people speak in emoji and shorthand, and the fact is, relationships require nuanced, thoughtful, intimate conversations, and social media doesn't provide for that. What celebrities do you compare yourselves to, do you look up to? Kardashians. Oh my gosh, did you have to say that? <laughs> well, Kendall Jenner specifically, like, she's like all natural compared to the others. I feel like she's like so perfect to be like all natural like that, and she's so beautiful. My biggest influence is Ariana Grande because she has such a good voice, and I find that she is someone to look up to. If your moms were here, what would you want them to know about your world? One thing I would like to say to my mom, like in general, is that I may not show it all the time, but I do appreciate her. I love her so much for yeah. the like self-confidence and being like really my best friend. Why don't we just talk to your moms? now because your moms are here. <laughs> Hi, Mom. The girls stunned by our surprise. What surprised you most about anything you heard from your daughter? These girls are gorgeous and they're smart and they're on top of their, you know, their game and they're full of anxiety. Do you worry that she's putting a lot of pressure on herself? Sometimes I do because I keep telling her, Lexus, you don't have to be perfect. And she tries very, very hard. You know, with the makeup, hours of makeup. And I'm like, what happens to concealer foundation and powder and you walk out the door? She's very emotional, so she lets things get to her easily, but she definitely has grown a lot. She's mm -hmm. definitely not the shy girl, quiet, reserved girl that she used to be. Do you worry about that social media I do. impact? I do, one, because Kayla's brown. She was on the bus and it was kind of like, why don't you go home, you Arabic, you don't belong here. Then it went on social media. Moms getting a rare glimpse inside the minds of their teen daughters. Now perhaps more important than ever. For Nightline, I'm Deborah Roberts in New York. Okay, so lots of crazy ways that social media technology is affecting us and our, and our kids. And so if we go back to the opening idea that, that parents are the primary teachers for our kids in all things. Um, we have some responsibility then as parents to, to help our kids navigate through that stuff. So we, we, we need to teach them about some of the dangers that exist um, or all of the dangers that, that exist as best we can. We need to model for them healthy behaviors, right? So 
if, you know, if, if mom and dad are sitting at, at, on the couch at night and we get lost into our phones for three hours on end, we're probably not modeling healthy behaviors. Like, don't, we, a rule in our house was, you know, we don't get to take cell phones to the table or at least an, answer them at the table because, like, dinner time's sacred. We're, you know, we don't get to be together a whole lot, and we're not going to let the cell phone become a distraction. So let's, let's sit and eat together. We don't always have to talk, but that's an, an opportunity to, to be together and um, just to check in with, with each other. And so let's model healthy behaviors. Maybe, maybe you need to have a, a charging station out in the kitchen where if you've got young kids and they have cell phones, like it's not a good thing that you take your cell phone into your bedroom probably. So when you go into your bedroom, the cell phone stays out here. Uh, whatever. So, but let's teach and model healthy behaviors. Let's talk about it with our kids. Let's set, let's help them set some boundaries. One of the resources that we have for you on your way out, if you want to grab it, is a cell phone contract, or I can email you a link to this resource. I didn't create it, uh, but there's a kind of a free resource out there. That it's a if you're, if you're a parent, you're going to give your kids cell phones, even if you've already given your kids cell phones. Use a contract. It just says, "Hey, I'm the parent." I'm giving you your phone. You're agreeing to not do stupid stuff on it. If you do, there's, there, you know, there's some consequences. Here's what the consequences are. They get to sign it. You get to sign it. It's a contract. And so that your, your kids know right up front, this is what I can and can't do on my phone. And if I, if I you know, break a rule, there's a, there's a consequence. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Like, you know, none of us are going to sign up to be disciplined. Nobody likes that. But especially for our children, it, the, the Bible teaches that there's a harvest of righteousness that comes when you discipline. So um, I, I, my, I've got four brothers. My mom every year get, gets us a silly T-shirt for Christmas. The shirt this year was, I'm a wooden spoon survivor. Almost wore it this morning. Um, but and listen, I I was spanked. My kids got spanked. I turned out okay for the most part. There's a couple people in the room that might disagree with that. But uh, let's set spanking aside. However, you discipline your kids, discipline your kids. Like be a parent first and a friend later. Like you you can be a you can be a friend to your kids when they're when they're grown up and out of your house. But while they're with you, you get you really get a short time. Be a parent. Part of parenting means discipline. Discipline your kids. When they do something they're not supposed to do, discipline them. Whatever that looks like for you, okay? Discipline. Don't run away from that. Um, so uh, give your kids healthy options. Use, use the contract as a resource. Go, you can go outside. Uh, to have, like, okay, you get to spend an hour on your phone, and then you're going to go outside and play, like shoot some baskets, throw a baseball, go, like, go to your friend's house. You don't get to take your phone. Like go be with your friends, like things that we used to do. Growing up, um, you know, set some boundaries for them on social media. You can spend X amount of time a day. You don't get to spend 54 hours a week on social media or on your phone. That's crazy, right? So help your kids in that. Work through it. And um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34 says this. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let, let's, you know, as parents, let's seek God and his kingdom first and foremost. And let's help our kids know what that looks like. Primary, again, your primary, your primary teacher 
Yeah, that might scare the heck out of you. To have, like, well, I have to teach my kid that? Yes, you're a parent. It's, it's part of your job. But, um, and I'm going to kind of hammer this one. I, I believe in this one strongly. Um, that, well, the, the next couple of things. Like, so for your kids, first of all, pray for your kids. Pray, pray, pray for your kids. Brett's been in this series the last few weeks about prayer. It's been awesome. One of the things and one of the stories that he shared that I love was as he was a boy growing up, he saw his mom reading her Bible. She had a chair. That's where she went to read. And she had a journal. And she would write, you know, they, the kids would see mom doing that. And they could go and he would sneak peeks at her journal and see what she was uh, praying about. And oftentimes he would see his name and what maybe she was praying for for him. Like, your kids need to see you praying for themselves and praying for, for, for the children. So let your kids see you do that. Like, do that. You don't, you know, go in and, and pray with your kids at night when you, when you put them to bed. Let them say the prayer. Let them say the prayer at dinner time or bedtime or, like, model it for them and then let them do it. It's important to let them see that. Um, model for them healthy behaviors. This, this next one, um, get them to church. Get your kids to church. Like, and our, you didn't have an option. And I'm the pastor, and the pastor's supposed to be that way. Well, it was that way before I was the pastor. When, when you know what? We get up on Sunday, we go to church. Youth groups on Wednesday, we go to youth group. Like, you're going. It's your church. You're, you're, you're the child. I'm the parent. I'll be your friend later in life. But right now, you need to go to church. And the, the problem comes in when parents, like if you come to faith as an adult, and you've got kids that are teenagers, or you move to a new city, You've got teenagers, and it like the, the the most the hardest thing to do for a teenager is to walk into the youth room for the very first time. It's the same thing for you guys that when you walked into this room for the very first time, it's like maybe I don't know anybody. Is is this? You know, it's just it's intimidating. It's it's crazy hard, and kids are experiencing all of that. And so when the parents come to church and they go to get. You know, the kid's out of bed on a Sunday morning, and the kid's, I'm tired, I don't want to go to church, I'm, I'm, church is boring, I don't have any friends, and they start fighting that battle. I'm just telling you, parents, this is a battle worth fighting. It's a battle worth fighting, because this matters on an eternal scale, right? And, and here's my promise to you as student pastor, and I think I can speak for Becky in this too. If you bring your kid, if you're, if you're coming to church and you're fighting that battle like your kids don't want to come, I'm telling you, if you will make them come, and I realize that that might cause this. If you make them come, I promise you they'll have fun. I promise you, we're going to have fun. I love to have fun. We're going to have fun. And, but if you make them come, what's going to happen is they're going to have fun, but they're going to make some friends. Eventually, they'll make some friends. And it might be two weeks or two months. I don't know. It, it could be a long time. But if you, if you will fight that battle now, eventually it, it, that'll go away because they'll come and they'll enjoy it. And they'll make some for The best thing you could do is send them on one of the trips that we'll take. We're having a party tonight. It's a great way to, it's, it, there's, you know, there's, it's, um, it's just a lot of fun. And there's going to be a lot of kids here and we're going we're gonna to party. And kids are going to, oh, this church is cool. And they're probably going to know some people. Send them on a trip. We go to camp. We take mission trips. Um, I just, if you put them in a van for a couple hours or for a weekend or a week at camp or whatever, they're going to make some friends. And that battle that you might be fighting right now will eventually, hopefully, go away. No guarantee. I can't guarantee it, right? But I'm just telling you, if you will fight that battle, and because it matters. I had a, I've had this conversation with a mom who 
didn't make her kid come to church because he fought, he fought her. I'm not going. I don't like church, Mom. I don't have any friends there. It's boring. He had all the excuses, and she's like, okay, you stay home and sleep. We're going to church. If you want to come, you can come, but she just didn't. She got tired of fighting it, right? And um, he turns 18, and he declares he's an atheist, and Mom freaks out. Ryan, can you have a conversation with my son? And I'm like, I will. I would love to, but I don't have any magic bullet that's going to magically convert your kid from an atheist to a Christian. That's way too much pressure for me. And you, and what I didn't, and I wasn't harsh with her on the phone, I did, but I'm thinking, like, you've neglected 18 years as your role as the primary spiritual teacher in your kid's life, and now you want me to fix it. <laughs> you know, yes, I'll have the conversation, but wow, that's a lot of pressure. So, man, don't get, don't get to that place. I, I've had this conversation a ton. I, I understand kids, kids are manipulative. We know how, kid, I can remember doing it with my mom. My kids did it with me. They know how to manipulate us into giving them what they want. And we cave all too often. But this matters on an eternal scale. So make your kids come to church. Grandkids, I love, I've, there's grandparents in the room that will go out of their way. Mom and dad don't come to church, but the grandparents will go and get their kids and bring them. If you're a grandparent, you've got grandkids and they're not going to church, go pick them up and bring them. It matters. The, the easiest way to capture a kid's heart for Jesus is when they're young. When they're young. So if you get them here, we're, again, Becky and my job as children's pastor, student pastor, is we're going to echo and reinforce and teach a lot of the same things you're teaching at home. It's going to make your job easier at some level. I can remember my daughter having a conversation with one of our youth sponsors. Something that we would teach our kids. We've taught them since they were born. And we're in youth group one night, and Diane Hansen, one of our female youth coaches, she, she was having a similar conversation with our daughter. And Abby's like, ding, light bulb. Oh, I, I, okay, that sounds cool. I understand that now. And I'm over here like, we've been teaching you that since you were born. But it was a different voice saying the same thing, but maybe in a little different way. And I, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool to see her get it. So... Just know, our team of, of volunteers and our staff are going to echo and reinforce a lot of the stuff that you're trying to teach as parents, and at some level, it's going to make your job easier as parents. So get your kids to church. Get your kids to church. This is too important to not, if you're here in the room and you don't have any kids and you're like, I just wasted an hour. No, you've probably got technology. Understand how you're being affected by it. Now go and you get to educate those around you to some of the dangers that exist outside. Uh, of this room, right? So with your coworkers and your family members, like, teach them. Man, put that cell phone away. We're having dinner, right? So um, let's pray, and then Tracy's going to come up with some announcements. Father God, thank you for uh, your great love for us. Um, thank you for um, the, the role and responsibility that we get to play as uh, a people in this world. You invite us into your kingdom work and so whether we're parents or not, we're, we're coworkers, we're, we're, our lives are being affected by this technology in crazy ways. Um, God, thank you for maybe helping us to understand that a little better this morning and, and just help us to be a light that speaks into this crazy world that we can point people to you uh, through some of these conversations. So uh, be with the parents and the grandparents in the room. What a tough job they have. 
Um, but it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a job worth doing well. We get one shot at it, God. So through your Holy Spirit, just guide us, give us wisdom. Um, God, thank you for grace when we fail and, and get it wrong as parents. But help us to tap into the resources of the church and of uh, the, the, the grandparents that are in the room that have been there, done that, have experience that we can draw upon. Just, we're so grateful for all you do for us. Um, God, we love you. We pray for our kids. We lift them up to you. May we, um, may we honor you with how we raise our kids, God. We love you so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.